Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Brattlecast. I'm Jordan Rich, and it's always great fun to be sitting down with Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston, a treasure on West Street. When you get a chance to visit, and you will in the future, uh, come to the city. You have to check it out. Ken, it's wonderful to see you, and we're going to be talking about something that's very much uh, historically relevant today, and that is the abolition movement and what remains from that period, right? Well, the abolition movement as it was and a lot of the things still not being totally and completely resolved now. Uh, But one of the reasons that I picked this was that I was going through some of the things. I was cleaning up an area in the store and I found a a group of the liberators, uh, William Lloyd Garrison's newspaper on anti-slavery. And then it reminded me that about six months ago, we had Frederick Douglass's newspaper on slavery. And these are actually fairly hard to get, well collectible, but I love old newspapers. So when I come into old newspapers, I'll hold one out for the screen okay. so you can see the Liberator. But uh, this one that I have with me right now is from uh, July 23rd, 1836. And William Lloyd Garrison was a Bostonian, and uh, he... He felt slavery was wrong from a moral, from a religious point of view. And he was one of the, he started a paper in the 1830s. It ran through 1860. uh, And he was very, very much that the Constitution, the Declaration, well, the Declaration in particular said all men are created equal. And he felt that that absolutely should be that way. And so he printed a paper called The Liberator. And it had it wasn't a huge circulation. It was very, very influential. had probably a circula- circulation of about 3,000 uh, readers. But it went out to a lot of African Americans now uh, and uh, blacks. Uh, it influenced a lot of them. But he also uh, traveled especially to England trying to raise funds for uh, anti-slavery. And he got into a lot of trouble, too. I mean, uh, one of the things that you see a lot of protests going on now and a lot of people criticizing the protesters and so on. Well, he had trouble in that back in the 1830s and up through until uh, the emancipation, it was in some places even illegal to educate uh, blacks, to educate people. It was illegal to, in some county, cities, areas, to go out and advocate for their freedom. It was dangerous because there were a lot of counter demonstrations at the time and they got particularly violent. Uh, and then there were also interesting things that, that also came up. Uh, there were competing organizations. Uh, there was an organization for freeing the slaves but sending them back to Africa, which was actually fairly a prominent organization but they, they were going around the United States and going to England and going to other countries trying to raise money for that, while a Garrison was definitely for they're in the United States, they should stay in the United States, they should have their freedom, uh, they should have the right to vote. Uh, but uh, they, uh, he didn't, you know, he wanted, but he had to compete to try to get money to raise things to uh, for that project, mm. and the two groups were sometimes opposing each other. It's interesting, uh, if you're a 
fan of the local history, there are a lot of landmarks in the city uh, that are related to the Underground Railroad and many of the abolitionist uh, leaders of the day. This is a hotbed of abolition uh, literature, isn't it? Not only should you mention that, but it's a great lead-in to one of the things that my father was very involved in. William Lloyd Garrison's office was actually on a street in Boston near Wiscali Square in City Hall. It's called Corn Hill. Mm-hmm. My, one of my father's stores and one of the iterations was on Corn Hill. And when they were in the 1960s, when they were tearing down the Scully Square area to um, create City Hall and Government Center and all that, they were tearing down all the buildings on Corn Hill. My father made a big campaign to save it. And he saved the building we were in, which was the Sears Crescent. It's that old crescent-shaped building looking out on City Hall and Government Center. Oh, sure. But but just almost across the street from that was uh, William Lloyd Garrison's office. And my father tried to wage a, a large campaign to save that building. But if, you know, unfortunately, if they did, the City Hall wouldn't be where it is now. But uh, he wasn't successful with that one. And then... Another thing that comes up that that also is interesting in this, and I also want to get to Frederick Douglass, but uh, a few years ago when the Antiques Roadshow, I did an appraisal, it was in Sarasota, Florida, of uh, a photograph called Soiling Old Glory. It was the busing in Boston. uh, And it was the one where a black man, Ted Landsmark, was being grabbed by a bunch of high school students and another one had an American flag and were going after him with the point of the, the flagpole. Very, very edged in my memory. Yeah. And, and it was a photograph uh, that was uh, won a Pulitzer Prize and I've uh, done other things about it. But actually, that photograph was taken in that demonstration. Uh, one of the major things in Boston busting was taken at almost the area where William Lloyd Garrison's office was. Mm. And Garrison had been chased out by uh, uh, crowds of people at the time that were against the uh, anti-slavery, almost not the same people, of course, because you're talking a hundred something years apart, but the same attitude, the same thing. So a lot of it didn't change. But what I love is that you can hold a newspaper like this and start reading it and reading about the anti-slavery at the time, where it is. And every since he published in Boston, it's also the type of paper that every once in a while you go into an old Beacon Hill house or somewhere in the back bay and uh, on a shelf or in a cupboard or underneath, uh, you find a small group or a larger group of, uh, of the liberators. Occasionally in old libraries, you find them. And, and it's just one of those things. And what we've also found is when we have them, uh, if someone comes in who's interested in the modern civil rights movement or in studying black history, black American history, and you can say, oh, we have an liberator, even if they don't want to buy it, just the fact that they can hold it and mm-hmm. touch it. And it, it sort of brings that whole world alive. Let me let me ask you this, since I can't really get a good glimpse of it. Uh, are there articles written by others besides him? And uh, if so, what, what are they all about? Well, they're almost all about anti-slavery. Uh, with, there's actually interesting things. 
And what they what he did also, he would gather articles from around the country and around the world on the uh, problems of slavery and get writers to write about it. But sort of an, an addendum to this was also he was very much for women's suffrage. So he also uh, wrote articles about women's suffrage, felt that women should have the right to vote uh, along with blacks. They were citizens of the country and they should have that. So there was a whole period where a lot of the articles were by uh, famous suffragettes and people back in the 1800s mm. when they had the Seneca conference on uh, the beginning of it. He was there speaking and he had got not quite as much pushback from that but he got a lot of pushback from it too. And one of the people who uh, William uh, Garrison brought with him and sort of promoted tremendously was Douglas. Frederick and Douglas. Yes. Frederick Douglas. And um, he, he brought him to speeches. He brought him, had him speak. And Frederick Douglas decided in the late 1840s that there should be a, a newspaper also that he would do written by an you know, African-American, a black man from their perspective, not from the white. And he started a newspaper called North Star. And the, the name was significant because in the Underground Railroad and when a lot of slaves were leaving the South, they wanted to go North and it was follow the North Star. And matter of fact, almost the uh, reference to Canada was they wouldn't necessarily always say Canada. It would be the North Star, the place of freedom. And uh, so he had the paper. It ran for about four years uh, to the um, early 1850s called the North Star. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, we got called in. It took a while. We got a newspaper called Frederick Douglass's newspaper. When he ended North Star, he merged it with another newspaper and, uh, and then renamed it Frederick Douglass's paper, and that ran to the 1860s, uh, just as the Civil War was starting. And that's actually, it had a larger circulation, about 4,000, but it's a much rarer, much harder paper to get. And where a liberator, you can usually buy them in the $100, $150 range. They, again, they make wonderful mementos. How often did they publish something Weekly. like that? Weekly. They published weekly. So, mm. I mean, it was a, a big job. Um, and it, it, they were interconnected because also Frederick Douglass was an escaped slave. Mm. He escaped from the South, made it up North, went to England, uh, spoke with Garrison. But finally, in England, a group of people raised enough money that they went back to where Douglass escaped and bought his freedom for him. So they actually had to pay to buy his freedom so he could be free to lecture more, not be worried about when he'd leave the country, could he come, come back, get captured, sent back mm. to where he came from, essentially. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of similarities with many things that are going on nowadays, but Frederick Douglass's paper, single issues of that, can sell in the 1000 to $5,000 range. They're just much harder to get. Also, because he was a black man, writing from that perspective, there are more people who feel closer to that paper. But instead of $100, you might be moving decimal points. So they're harder to get and uh, more interesting. And the other interesting part about these papers is they were done on paper that was high quality, 
It was before the industrial revolution hit with wood pulp papers. So paper itself was expensive, but it also lasted. So you can turn the pages, you can read the articles. One thing I will say, and I can't hold this up to you too well, but the print was a lot smaller. I noticed than, uh, what it that, is now. That I did notice, and they didn't have the kind of uh, eyewear that we have now. They, they didn't. Well, they had some eyewear, yeah. but not as good. Uh, also, too, they didn't have, in general, headlines then. You would get the front page, you'd have the name of the paper, but, but then you'd have columns, and they didn't have, you know, the, the big headline that modern papers have. But, you know, these are things, and one of the things that I love about newspapers in this, first of all, you're reading history as it was viewed at the time. And obviously, you could read William Lloyd Douglas's Liberator, you could read uh, Frederick Douglass's um, paper, and you know they might. You could read and see different perspectives to a degree, but then you could probably read most normal papers of the time and realize how different mm. the attitudes were. Uh, and uh, another interesting thing happened uh, that when the emancipation came, and when afterwards voting was voted for black and black men very specifically with voting, they were made available to vote. And uh, Douglas and um, William Lloyd Garrison wanted universal suffrage. But the problem is fighting that fight, they were worried they'd lose the whole argument. And uh, matter of fact, there were comments made uh, by some of the women that if you don't include us with getting uh, black suffrage, that it's going to be years and years before women's suffrage comes in, which was foretelling there. But, that was uh, very foretelling. It, it, and the, the political and the political trade trading uh, even then was very prominent. Even then, and yes. you know, they sort of said, if we want to get one, we might not get them both. We have to compromise. And uh, it, but again, if, especially if you get groups of these. Uh, you know, you can read them. And I also find that young children, maybe, you know, anywhere from about fifth grade through high school, uh, which aren't as young by any means, uh, when you show them these kind of papers, you can really catch their interest. And really, first of all, the fact that it's a hundred something years old, but also when they start reading it and get an idea of how the country felt at that time, or even how a newspaper was different in the wording and how it was set up. Every once in a while when I show them, I feel like I'm, I'm maybe creating one or two future historians who then can write their theses and teach and uh, maybe back on the subjects and use these as source material. We need more of that, no question about it. It's totally fascinating to live in the moment, but also to live in that moment when you can expect, inspect and hold in your hand something as treasured as that. Well, it's treasured, but then you can also see, you know, all of the protests that are going on now, a lot of the issues, a lot of the reaction to those issues by different groups and so on. And I hate to say it, in many cases, the exact wording, the exact circumstances might be a little different, but overall, a lot of the attitudes are the same. And you're hoping slowly but surely you'll get more, less and less uh, of the attitude. 
Well, certainly a fascinating topic, one of so many we cover on the Brattlecast. And you can go to brattlebookshop.com to connect with Ken and his team and learn more about what we're doing here and what the store is all about and what the shop's all about. And uh, needless to say, uh, more exciting stuff coming up. Ken, thank you as always. Well, it's all I, I love doing it. I love talking. And anybody who has any questions, get in touch with us. If you ask me a question, the problem will be to get me to stop answering. <laughs> the on-air light comes on all the time when Ken's involved. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you next time on the Brattlecast. Thank you.